0: Welcome back to StraightCast Outdoor Cartoon Television. I'm your host Pat Renwick. Right now we're uh, we're extremely stoked to bring to you for the first time ever on the monastic that we call StraightCast Outdoor Cartoon Television, ladies and gentlemen. How about a warm studio audience round of applause? I need you to go freaking nuts for this guy. This is Carl Jacobson right here. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we do it. That's how we do it, man. We do it. We do double internet high fives here too.
1: Packed house.
0: Yes. G- give me a hi- give me a Third double hand. internet high five right here. Come on, go. I've only got one. I've got to hold the phone with the other hand. Oh, I <laughs> see. You're multitasking as as we talk right now. Dude, this is this is awesome. It's, this is the first time that we've ever had um, Carl Jacobson, and the first time we've ever had an Australian. It's our on first the
1: show. Uh, international angler. Yeah, our no, first yeah.
0: international angler ever. That, awesome. That's it. I mean, dude, uh, thanks so much for coming on here. I, I want to know something about you. I mean, I want to know some Carl Jacobson history. Okay, I, I want to know. I want to know the deal. I, educate <laughs> us. Okay. It,
2: um, it's a it's a long story, but to uh, oh, we to got cut time. Short. I, uh, I fished. I fished in Australia. I, you know, born and bred in Australia. I lived in Australia my whole life until I was twenty six. Um, I competed uh, on the bass fishing circuit in Australia since I was 15, and um, I did really well there right up through my whole career, and since I was you know, young, I, I, I basically grew up watching ESPN and the Bassmaster Elites and yes. sort of just living and breathing fishing and tournament fishing my whole life, and then uh, I... Um, our, our prize for our classic in in australia is an expenses paid trip to the usa oh, nice. um to mm. to fish a, a tournament series here and the basic basically since it started back in 98 or something like that it was to try and uh, bring up an australian angler that could one day compete in america so fishing was just fishing was just my passion since I was a you know since I could remember and then I got right into tournaments when I was about thir- 12 13 and then started competing and then it was just my dream since about 16 to one day come to America and compete and then in 2009, after 10 years of competing, I won Angle of the Year quite a few years and a couple of years in a row. And then I finally sort of won our Bassmaster Classic, which is called the Grand Final. And that got me the expenses paid trip to come to the States when I was like 25.
0: Awesome.
1: A so what?
2: that was sort of the that was yeah that was the kickstart to my to sort of my US career and it was just a trip to see how I would do and see how I liked it. I've never been out of Australia. Um, I've never caught a largemouth bass before. Never caught a smallmouth. <laughs> we don't have we don't have any of those species. So it was just techniques that I'd learned. We, we, we do use a lot of techniques from Japan and from America. We read the Bassmaster magazines and all the, um, you know, watch the shows, and a lot of our techniques do come from there. But, like, I'd never flipped before. I'd never fished with a jig. There was – I'd never awesome. drop-shotted. There was quite, like, a lot of things, like, that I'd never even spawning done. Spawning
0: fish, never spawning fish, I'll Never
2: bet. Never fish for a spawning – bass in my life yeah so weirdly i picked the i picked lake mead to i picked the u.s open to ah, fish
0: oh, you went for when some I history came here.
2: and um i only knew one guy his name was gary boyd he was a um an an older guy that had come to uh, australia quite a few times and fished there and we got to know him through a lot of our guys and he offered to help help me um when i came over but um, I came and fished the US open just as a co-angler, and the water was crystal clean and it was it looked like Australian kind of lakes and finesse okay. techniques work and my, I sort of my background is super finesse. So you could see the bottom in 30 feet. Well, when I got there, I fished with two-pound braid and four-pound leader. Oh, wow. And fish super long leaders. Well, everywhere I cast, I just caught bass, like everywhere I went.
0: And, <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, this is easy.
2: Yeah, I'm like, this is the deal. <laughs> so. I was, like, in love, and the people were amazing, and I end up, um, you know, just fate is a crazy thing, but I drew Fred Rombanis on the third day oh, yeah. um, of, of the tournament, and, and I'd grown up, you know, watching him and seeing him win, you know, 100 grand on a frog, and he was one of my heroes, well, we drew each other on the final day, and I we we just caught him and i wrecked him doing what i was doing with the finesse techniques and i end up catching big bass he jumped into the top 10 and i came second and got big bass well when i flew back home that was it for me i was like i'm i'm going all in and when i when i went home i basically almost like i didn't really quit my job but i worked for another year and saved and then i sold every single thing i owned i sold my truck my boat i sold any little thing i i had that you could get money for they did fundraisers for me and um i packed up and said goodbye to my family and friends and everything and moved over here
0: and, and the rest is history wow. now are you yeah. is it true that you're still the all-time money winner in australia fishing competitions is that true
2: yeah i was um when i left when i left australia i was like double in the i was double the nearest guy um double mo- the money earners to second and then it's been i haven't competed there in seven years and it's still pretty much exactly the
0: same <laughs> so you're like wow. the blake you're like the blake Honeycut of australia exactly
2: i was i did i never missed a tournament i think in about 10 or 11 years i didn't miss a single tournament and towards the end of my career there i won angle of the year um like in you know for sort of in three years, a three year stretch, I won it sort of every year. Won quite a few events in there, and then won the grand final. So I did like a a lot in in my career that when I had when I was there. But um, it was just I lived and breathed it, you know. And just like I do here, it's just my
0: life. It's, that's the deal, man. That's why we're all here. Now, I, I I still am not understanding this thing about Australia, though. Now you you do or don't have bass there.
2: So we don't have largemouth or smallmouth bass, Okay. spotted bass.
0: But what did you fish these derbies for? So they're
2: called an Australian bass. Okay. Um, They're a native bass to Australia, and they're very similar to, I would say they're like a white bass hybrid smallmouth
0: cross. Wow, it sounds mean, dude.
2: Yeah, they're sort of mean. They're like, they, they fight hard. They don't jump. They just run super hard. They're bulldogs. Um they're more a schooling fish. They hit top water. But what it, what helped me a lot here is I fished. I, I was just a fisherman, you know. I fished for bass in Australia my whole life, but... Every weekend, every second, every chance I cared, I was fishing somewhere for some species. And that if you mixed the, if you cross the five main species that I fished for, which were barramundi, which grow to like a hundred pound, yes, they're like yeah. an inland tarpon. I I cut my teeth on them. I fished for Murray cod, which are a big. Um, native species that they get to over 100 pound as well, and they eat swim baits and top water spinner baits. If you put all of the fish that I really dialed in over my career, if you mixed them all together, they would make a large mount. So
1: <laughs> no, <I got> <laughs> that's,
2: that's why I had a little foot in the door. If you would just fish for bass, you'd be just so far behind because our bass are just so far off the map of what any of these bass do.
0: Dude, I want to fish for those. I, yeah, that's
2: they're, they're fun. Do yeah. they
0: get big? Well, our our albacore like,
2: like a trophy giant, like eight pound.
0: Okay, um,
2: but you catch them on light line, and they bust you off, and they run super hard. They hit hard. they then they school up in big schools as well, so you can catch them a lot of different ways. But like. Uh, I'd never caught one on... They're starting to catch them on jigs and stuff, but, like, drop shotting and jigs, flipping, it was all... Everything in Australia for me was distance casting, stay away from the fish, long casts, and more finesse sort of approach.
0: And barramundis are, like, crazy, right, dude? I mean... They're
1: they're the only...
2: They're the one species that, like... I try and go home for like I have I try I go home get to go home I'm lucky enough at the end of every year for one or two months and when I go back I see my family and friends and everyone that I haven't seen and then the first trip I usually do is straight to a Barramundi lake and when I get to a Barramundi lake it's like there's no other fish that does it it's like when you start to cast it's like you've never caught a fish before you get like a (laughs) you get like a sick nervous feeling You that little funny
0: feeling that pitter patter don't you yeah you just you'll
2: be like (laughs) you you catch them on frogs and top water and swim baits and it it's like a it's like a the way to explain hook and one is like go to the highway and cast out into a into a truck driving past and hang on that's what it feels oh, like oh that's outstanding
0: no. now in florida i think they have some lakes that they have stocked with barramundi like special yeah. is that true mm-hmm. do you know anything about that yeah yeah but they're just little they're little guys
2: they're little stock pond barramundi i've never fished for them but i've heard about them but it's um it that doesn't really give you an idea the empowerment or lake barramundi in australia they I just like an average one is 40 pounds. Like an if you that's oh an average God. size. So when they get 50 60 pound and they just they eat a swim bait or eat a frog off the top there's there's nothing like it.
0: What do you what do you think Aaron Martin's would think if he caught a mundy?
2: <laughs> well, I've been lucky I had um Kevin Short over. Um, oh nice, year. yeah, basscat. over, and him and his wife Carrie both caught one and they were um they were pretty pretty excited about the whole thing it was awesome like six seven inch swim baits and yeah the, the hit and everything is any i've taken quite a few americans fishing over there and quite a few that i know have come over and when they've caught a barra they usually end up trying to do a trip to australia every year to catch them
0: and, and I heard that Mark Zona is scared to go to Australia with you. Is that true?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of. That's what that's everyone thinks that everything kills you there, but I, it does.
0: Like because koala bears aren't as friendly and cuddly as they're made out to be, right?
2: Yeah, no, they they're not. They, they eat you. Like, They'll
0: eat you in your sleep. Yeah, they're eating all that eucalyptus.
2: The, that's the mythical drop bear. They'll just drop out of the tree and kill you when they you. They slit your throat. Up. They're
0: like. Shh. <laughs> yeah, and No one will ever throat. see
2: you again. You just walk outside and that's it. You disappear.
0: Disappear into the jungle. <laughs>
2: my, my girlfriend Kayla, she came over last year with us and she got to hold a koala bear at the Steve Irwin Zoo. We we went there um, when she first came over and she only held it for about five seconds and she had to give it back because like, its claws and everything were just digging into her. It wasn't like the cuddly experience she thought it was going to be.
0: <laughs> Do you want to hear a tasteless Steve Irwin joke? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, you know what the last thing that Steve Irwin said was? What? (laughs) Crikeys! I've been stung by a... And and that was it, that was it, right there. (laughs) Terrible. It was was awful, it was totally in bed. Yeah. 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 I I had to do it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, now you're in America. You have come to America, and uh, you've entered the realm of professional bass fishing.
2: Yeah. American style. style.
0: American style. Now, like we've heard stories like from Takahiro how there's an adjustment period, you know. And and I guess there's there's parallels with you also, isn't there? I mean, it's like coming from us, coming from any country to America to start bass fishing. I mean, the, there's not as much of a language barrier for you but obviously the technique barrier yeah i mean tell us a little bit about the barrier
2: different you know different culture it was like starting from scratch um for me but yeah it's just like everything's different so everything day-to-day things that you would take for granted that would be easy were very difficult for me you know just to try and get through just day-to-day life things and you know just getting any sort of cash or making a card work trying to get a driver's (laughs) license like that going to the bank couldn't get a bank account like just anything can't get fuel because I haven't got the right card it won't work like for years I just went through painful things and the weird thing is the language barrier seems to be was just as bad but like because no one could understand me it was weird like I could talk like this and in the south and a lot of places and over the phone people just couldn't understand me um <laughs> but I, we grew up you know watching American TV so I understand everyone from whatever accent they've got from the right. south to the north it sure, doesn't sure. matter but for me yeah no one could understand me so the language barrier was kind of tough as well but fishing wise it was definitely um a pretty big shock for me i stayed on the west coast for almost a year and i fished like pyramid and mead and havasu and the clear lakes and it was awesome and i was catching fish and doing well in some tournaments but i realized that where bassmaster flw and the real um the big tournaments were were all east so about um at the end of my first year i moved out east and got hooked up with Fred Rambanis and then started fishing, like, the Red River and Grand nice. Lake, and all of a sudden it was like, whoa, now I'm, like, way out of my comfort zone. <laughs>
1: but you you came to Texas, right? Is that the first place you moved to, is Texas? No.
2: It was actually with Fred in Oklahoma. Okay. Was, uh,
1: well, see, no, you I'm, know, if we, as far as the language barrier goes, you moved there, you know, we can't understand half those guys down there either.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, it's, you know, yeah. you're in good company.
2: Yeah. No, I had <laughs> Fred... Fred Fred learned my accent, and I learned his, and we just translated for each other. It worked well.
0: Nice. Sure. Nice. And, and we have the craziest accents in this part of the country. yeah like From Chicago, you know. Yeah. Chicago. We're from the home of the bears and, and sausage and stuff like
1: that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We just say things quick. Yeah, we talk real yeah. fast.
2: Real? I think I sort of think I think people up north understand me more because I under, you know I talk fast you know so that was that was the hardest thing down south and stuff I had to not talk as quick but people up north seem to understand me pretty good.
0: <laughs> Do you consider yourself meticulous in your preparation for tournaments? Yeah, yeah. Tell I'm us like, about it.
2: About as bad as it gets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that.
2: Um, just. You know, everything that I do, from um, from what I eat to fitness to health to my gear, I try and ever since I was a kid, I just always uh, wanted to use, like, the best gear and make sure I was, like, on top of the game or on yeah on top with every single little thing i do and it's come right down to now we're we live in a lance camper i don't know if you can see but it's a i'm in a camper now and i knew that this would help my fishing it would help my career help the lifestyle of staying near the lake and just you know right down to the rods and reels that i use and the knots and sort of across you know i i, de- I like you know like what Aaron is you know he's a little bit different again with what he does but I'm very uh, meticulous with every little thing that I do but I live and breathe this sport and I want to be the best there is and I work towards that every single day and if there's a thing that I can think that needs to improve or I can adjust on I, I, I do it but just today alone you know you're up at Four thirty in the morning and you're off the water late you're heading to Bash pro you're fueling up you're washing the boat and truck you're heading to the meeting you rig and tackle for hours tying knots um you know and and organizing and tackle warehouse orders getting it in <laughs> like clink getting the boat sorted fueled rigged charged right down to the tiniest <laughs> things you know it just it's a it's it's a – people just don't realize what goes into it, but, um, you know, one of the things I do look into, I just I just did a five-mile run just before I got under the – Yeah, dude. To you guys, it just helps me, you know, it just it gets my mind running, it gets me motivated, and I – just think better and get clear, and then I come back and I study. You look at mapping. Look at Google the
0: weather. And you you're overwhelming me. I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a trend
1: you're, here. He's completely overweight.
0: Bassin ain't easy. Bottom line, no. hashtag Bassin ain't easy. Is it?
1: Carl, you know, was that? Just, uh, I, you
2: know, I went to the service crew today, and like you know, you got in there, and the guys are unbelievable. They fixed a bunch of stuff, little things that I needed sorted, and you know, just. There's only a certain few people that really understand what goes into bass fishing. And like those service guys, they understand it. And we spoke about it today. And the first thing anyone says to me when I say I'm a professional bass fisherman is how lucky I am and how good it must be. And that's true. I wouldn't change it for the world. But there's a reason there's not many people doing it. There's there's just not many people that can put in the, 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 the time and effort and hours.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Is, on,
1: that, right? is that true that uh, Rick Clun was the one that influenced you to start camping?
2: Um, he – um, I, I actually um, – a couple of years ago, it, it was almost – I was almost done. Like through my whole career in Australia, we – where our lakes are, there's no motels or no – there's nothing. There's like a lake in the middle of nowhere. So – since i was six since i got my driver's license i would we would camp with all my mates and head to the tournaments and that was the deal like it was so fun because you you got a group of years together we'd set the tents up fire you know it was the atmosphere of fishing and camping and um the camaraderie with everyone that i really loved about tournament fishing and that was what i did i slept like for Six or seven years, I slept in a swag, which is just like a roll-up bed that <laughs> oh stay God. in the back of my truck, and you would just unroll it and sleep on the ground next to the fire. That and your boat sort of pulled up um, next to the bank, and so my I, I really loved camping. And then when I moved here, that like from what I could see and what we did, just no one did that. You stayed in hotels and you fished, and I just adapted to that and did that. Well, when you start paying the entry fees and you start getting your butt warped and you're running out of money and you're just the whole deal of like going to the lake and then coming back to a hotel where my stuff wasn't safe and I was getting fishing gear stolen, my window smashed. It was just awful. Everything about the motel scene, I just didn't enjoy it. And I was to the point where I was like, getting off the water and I just didn't even want to be there and I'd be in a beautiful part of the country that I'd never been to in my life and I wanted to stay there but I'm staying at a motel six and all I want to do is get out of there and you know drive back or I couldn't even I couldn't afford to stay another week in a hotel so I would drive back to Texas or drive back to Fred's and then I saw a couple guys that were camping and they had the big RV buses and I looked in their bus and I was like I was talking to them, and they were like, oh, we love we love the tournaments. We love fishing. We just – it's like a – you know, it's almost like a vaca- – they would do that anyway. They just wanted to get away in their camper, and it was like their home away from home, and it got my – it just got me thinking, like, man, this is – I realized that guys were doing that, and I looked into it, and then we saw the Lance camper option of the camper on the back of the truck, and when we were just about doing it, I was in line – at, um, it was the start of last, the very first tournament, I think, last of the, my first year on the Elites, and I was in line with Rick Klun, And I started talking to him about it, and he just sort of opened up, and he said he was ready to quit fishing. He said he was done. And, wow. um And he said because of the hotels, and he just wasn't enjoying it. And then he 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 bought a lance and started camping, and his career just skyrocketed. And he started having fun and enjoying it, and that's what changed his whole career. And that's when I knew what I had to do.
0: There, it, I mean, there you, it can, is. you can't learn from anybody better than that key to yeah. success. Yeah. Lance when camper. When Rick Fun says something,
2: <laughs> it's going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. That is
0: that is right. <laughs> hey, we're doing this on the Bookface Live, as you know, and. um your fans have some questions for you. Are you ready for cool. it? Cool. yeah. JP, hi. What do we got going on over there? All right, Dana asks, "Do you like our various waters in the U.S.? But I'm going to add on to that. If you can only pick one, the U.S. or Australia, where are you fishing the rest of your life?" <laughs>
2: Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. We do have we do have some amazing fishing in Australia. The fishing in Australia is one thing that I do I do miss a lot, um, but. Opportunities and the fishing and the amount of fishing that is in variety in America, I definitely love it here. You know, I love, they're my two favorite countries by far. He's
0: going and, uh, hashtag America. Hashtag yeah, America. But, you're picking America. You know, what the, else oppi- we got? the
2: opportunities and the fishing here and the largemouth and the tournament scene is just It's it's mind blowing to an Australian to be here and see it.
0: Right, absolutely. We got someone asking, we know you're fishing the opens. Are you. Trying to requalify for the elites,
2: I would. Um, I would like to. I this is my first year on the FLW tour, and I really wish I did the tour a little bit earlier. Um, I grinded so hard and wanted it so bad that I made the elites too early. Like I actually just, I did it through sheer grit or something, like just being crazy, wanting it so bad that I made the elites, and I just simply wasn't ready and that would have been fine quite a few years ago when they weren't kicking guys out so you if you weren't good enough you had time to learn and get better on the elites well now you're in and if you don't if you don't catch them straight away you're out and i didn't really play for that but i should have been going as a co angler doing what i was doing fishing the opens for experience and then if you can't compete on the flw tour then you shouldn't be probably fishing the elites because you know it's just but the, the, the jump from the opens to the elites was such a huge gap that was just like playing backyard football compared and then jumping in the you know nfl it it's was so just crazy the difference and that was um you know that was so me getting kicked out and and it, it was it hurt and it sucked and it was my life on drain i worked for it so hard and i made it but this will be a big you know it was a big learning curve for me and going back now fishing the FLW tour is just going to make I learned so much I'm just going to get better and better and I'm not in a rush to make it back but I would like to because the Bassmaster Classic is just the pinnacle for me I want to get there one day and I want to fish I want to get the Forestwood Cup but the FLW tour was one of the best things that I'd done and I really enjoyed my time there and it's got my confidence up and I'm just learning a lot so I'm really enjoying the FRW Tour, and I'm, uh, that's what I want to fish. But eventually, you know, we'll work towards making the Elites again. And when I do, I'll be um, a lot better off.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, and it's, and it's just perseverance. I mean, we, as we said before, it's not easy. This is not as glorious as everyone cracks it up to be, you know. I mean, yeah. But it, it's perseverance, and, and you, seem, you seem the type that uh, doesn't uh, easily give up.
2: No, that's what you got to do. You got to, yeah. That's what it's all about. you know, if you don't quit, you never know what's around the corner. It's you're only kind of, you only lose if when you quit. And that's what uh, I, it took me four years. You know, I, that's and to me, to some people that might sound like a lot, but that was four years like away from my family and friends and going broke and going back home and thinking i'm not good enough and it's impossible and everyone telling me it's impossible to do and um and then to do it it was just the most incredible feeling of my whole life to make the elites and something that anyone said would never be able to be done by an australian that's never caught a a large mouth bass before (laughs)
0: it's Um, quite an
1: article
2: You know, just I I wanted it so bad, and I worked so hard that I actually made it too early. And then, like when I got there, I had some great finishes, and I showed that I can I can compete with these guys. But I need to find that consistency, and I'm finding that now. And in the next couple of years, is going to be big for me to get that consistency. And then when I go back in, I'm going to be a lot stronger angler in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, bet you will. You got a big derby tomorrow, man. How you feeling?
2: Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. The opens are are awesome. This is my, the James River is kind of special to me. Um, It was one of the first tournaments I ever fished as a pro uh, when I first came here. In when I first fished, I think it was 2011, and I've fished here every year since. (laughs) I've fished every open, everything. So I I love the James. I've had some top Mm twenties. I've had a thirteenth. I've had awesome opportunities i've got my butt warped a lot and um and I, I just i feel really good it's 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 time for me now like this is a sort of deal where you um you you spend that much time learning you need to capitalize on it now and i feel like i can
1: carl you have a uh, you have a motivational phrase uh that that you write on everything and uh yeah. that i've seen called called fear my heart yeah can you explain what that's about
2: um my um a few back, just the year before I made the elites, um, my cousin and my my best friend back in Australia, we sort of just grew up fishing and hunting and basically doing everything together. He is a professional boxer in Australia, and nice. he, he he sort of started his boxing career when I was moving over here trying to um, trying to make the elites, and <clears throat> just. It, it came that saying came through me and him because he has won a lot of his fights. Right now, he's very close to cracking it, cracking the big time. He's number three in Australia, and wow. um, he's got a potential, you know, fight with Jeff Horn, who's just meet, beat Manny Pacquiao, and his his career is about to take off. But between just from where we've come from and what we're trying to do, we have been behind the eight ball as far as opportunities and even skill wise and experience and everything but our heart has pushed us through and chris's heart in his fights has won him all of them you know he's just um got that that thing and that was what i had you know i was lacking the experience that these guys have and the skill and the knowledge and everything but i had the heart and the heart is what got me to make the elites when i was lacking in everything but where it actually come from was i watched a document i watched lots of motivational stuff and i read lots of um you know just sporting people's books and stuff like that and successful people but i was watching um the navy the guy that recruits navy seals and it's the you know the toughest recruiting system in the world right and he said that the guy he just said something that struck me, and that's where. And then I just thought of that saying and, you know, I stuck with it. But he said, The guy that makes the Navy SEALs is never the strongest swimmer, never the biggest guy, the strongest guy. He said, Guys make it that can't even swim. They make this Navy SEALs. He said, It's all heart. He said, That's it. It's all
0: heart. And he heart. said,
2: Nothing else. It's hard.
0: And you got to carry the white, that the Biggest
2: heart sure. makes it. And when he said that, I was, like, down on my luck. And I'm like, these guys are too good. I can't make it. You know, I haven't got the experience. But I knew I had the heart to, like, just keep pushing. And that's what got me through. And then that year, I made the elites. And then Chris, um, he made it. He won the the australian title in australia and has made it basically to the top of boxing in australia and is about to make the big step to the u.s and europe so and that we me and him just both stuck with that saying you know we know we're behind in a lot of things but we've got the heart and that's what's going to get us through
1: awesome
0: Awesome. outstanding dude hey um we're just about out of time here carl anything you want to say to your your fans or your your sponsors before we head out bud yeah, I, I just want
2: to say thank you, you know, that my support on social media, a couple of years ago, I think I had 500 followers on Instagram and now I've got almost 40,000 people just... Awesome. Um, a lot of them through the US and a lot of my Facebook ones are from Australia, but I just like the, the support I've got from... Um, The American people has really been awesome to me. They've just welcomed me into the country and um, made me feel welcome here and just anything they can do, um, they have helped me along and it's pretty cool to just come from another country and be able to, you know, chase your dream and, and the American people sort of... Um, take that on board and try and help me do it which is really cool but I just want to say thank you to all my fans and everyone that's supporting me and following me and of course my sponsors because without them this would not even be near possible my sponsors got behind me when they saw what I wanted to do almost seven years ago and um, I've had some of the best um, sponsors there and they've just stuck by me through the bad times and the good times and right through till now and we're just going to keep going so I just want to say thank you and appreciate you guys having
0: me on oh dude we, yeah, we appreciate having you know thank that you. you come on here dude i mean thanks for the support and and we wish you the best uh best of luck man tomorrow and and the, and the rest of the the rest of your fishing years man
2: yeah i no uh, appreciate it anytime you want us on just uh we'll have to do a few we're updates we're gonna do years. it again
0: man no doubt about it hey thank you so much and um we'll see you uh, are you gonna be uh hanging out over in uh south carolina next week
2: um, I don't I've I have not been home for I haven't been back to Dallas, sort of our base for about five months. We've been living in the campus, so I'm like on a one way road straight there.
0: Oh there you go. You little homesick. I got you. <laughs> I got you. Hey, uh best of luck, man, and thanks again so much. We really appreciate your support, Carl. No worries, guys. Anytime. All have a right. good night. Take care of yourself. Thank you. That's Carl Jacobson Tour Pro. Boom. FLW. Fishing the bass open tomorrow. On to James River, who we wish him the best of luck. Hey, put the power poles down. When we get back, it's the it's the Mr. Big Bass champ, world champion, Bobby Lane, coming up next. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Dance. No, just kidding. This is Pat. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Cast on iTunes and leave a review. Tell us what you think. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. Peace!